help my DTC grow, strategies and quick wins that build up 8-figure DTC brand. How can you harness the power of customer data to drive acquisition, retention and personalized experiences? Jason is a customer value optimization specialist working with brands to deliver long-term growth. Sought his first agency back in 2017 and worked with some of the UK's leading e-commerce agencies before starting Defiant. From this episode, you will get the answers to the following questions. How can you better utilize customer data for your acquisition and retention efforts of personalization? How to team up email marketing with personalization? What is the right balance between acquiring and retention? How could you better customers on site? And of course, I'm here to help your DTC brand grow, so I asked all my favorite questions at the end. Books to read, mistakes to avoid, quick growth tips and tools to use. Now let's get ready! I've read recently on LinkedIn that inspiration isn't in the future, but it is in the past. I couldn't agree more for DTCs of the world are like the little shops down the street, maybe 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. So they need to build a community and use tactics to keep customers like in the past. Uh, oh, example, 100%. Loyalty, rewards, customer experience. What are your thoughts on this? I couldn't agree more. I, I Maybe I saw the same thing as you, Mikos. There's so much that we can learn from, you know, from that side of things. And I think even the D2C landscape is replicating more of what we used to see, you know, back in the 1940s and 1950s and 1960s, where you would go to the greengrocer for your vegetables and the butcher for your meat. And, you know, you'd go to individual stores for each of those things. I think the D2C landscape's very much, you know, like that. We obviously have in the likes of Amazon and, you know, people like that who kind of buck that trend, but the D2C landscape's growing and it's growing because people actually see value in buying from individuals and they want to support, you know, in inverted commas, their, their local supplier or their preferred supplier because they like the experience that they get. The quality's probably better you know, maybe there's a little bit more confidence in in what they're buying. I mean, we've all been on Amazon and it looks great when you buy something uh, and then it turns up and you think, oh, this is not quite what I was hoping it would be. The quality's not there or, you know, any of these things. Um, so, it, you know, it's a, it's a difficult one, but I think all of the answers probably lie in the past. What could be applied for online stores that are worked good in offline stores? I mean, I think we talk a lot about personalization, right? That when you used to walk into one of these stores, you would go in and they would recognize you. They'd know your name. They'd know the types of things that you like to order, you know, and all of these sorts of things. And I think we can replicate that online more and more. Uh, I was having a conversation with somebody only the other day and they said, oh, you know, you need to optimize for, for everybody. And whilst I... I don't disagree on a on a fundamental level that there needs to be you know your site needs to be something positive for everybody but people expect personalization now so you know it was the same as going into the store and them using your name when they greet you well that's that's nice but do you know what that's that's kind of table stakes now it's it's easy to do and everybody should be doing that but when you go into that same store you know in person and they recognize you they use your name to greet you and they remember what you ordered last time or what your preferences were and 
they immediately ask you if you'd like some more of that or we know you bought this last time would you like a complimentary product all of a sudden your experience you know is increased tenfold and preference to go back to that store goes through the roof we can do that online and we're not relying on a person behind the counter's memory to do it there's a machine that does it for you and that doesn't forget so you know you coming onto somebody's you know online store they should recognize you they should know what you've ordered before and they should be able to serve you something that's of interest to you moving forward so i think that's that's the biggest you know biggest learning and biggest opportunity that we probably have how can dtc brands use this data that they have these data sources to maximize uh, valuable information and to build up a really good strategy around it so be really personal and feel like it's natural from the customer perspective <laughs> I, i mean i think the natural pieces is the key you know when it feels forced it just feels a bit a bit grubby you know it doesn't doesn't yeah. give to a nice experience uh, but i think being able to to leverage it brands are sitting on a gold mine of data you know from personal information to uh purchase history to you know even demographics you know you can start to see somebody's interests cross platform cross store you know especially when we look at things like shopify having shopify ids that follow you you know from one store to another there's tech out there that allows you to capitalize on that so you know you you know what somebody's preference is on one store and when they come to yours actually do you know what you can start to push product that is more relevant to to them you know even if you haven't seen them before you know if they if these two stores have the same bit of tech that will communicate behind the scenes so i think there's so many ways you can dissect that data from personal information to purchase history to interests to you know you you kind of name it you can cut that so many different ways and however you want to segment that as a as a merchant you know or, or even from an agency perspective so you can target customers there's so many ways you can do it you can pick a data point and then build out from from there really maybe it's so confusing that uh, there are lots of ideas how to do it and and where to start but uh, in your point of view what could be the best to use and leverage the data for example for acquiring new customers or retention so to increase retention or mm-hmm. or for personalization for these three they work together in a, a kind of perfect infinite loop but you know very much to you know the point about you know what can we learn from the past i think from an acquisition perspective what can we learn from our previous or or current customers all of that all of that information lies in there so i think starting with customer profiling is probably the place to you know to start you might want to start with some segmentation so you might want to you know use RFM segmentation to to give you you know cohorts of of customers that will give you a broad profile um and you can use that, that in your acquisition strategy you can use that in your retention strategy because it's really it's just going to define where you spend budget and where you put effort you know you're not going to put the same amount of effort and money into you know your kind of mid tier or, or or bottom cohort of of customers as you would your top tier who are you know who are spending more more regularly 
So, you know, they, they feed one another. And then really it's about carrying that data through from a, a personalization perspective on site. You know, we, yes, we can, we can personalize for cohorts, but I'm a big fan of hyper-personalization. You can almost create a one site for one user uh, mm. type approach. So the same experience people would experience on Amazon, for example, you know, your experience on Amazon and my experience on Amazon are going to be very different because it's personalized for our individual experiences. We might fall into the same cohort. We might fall into the same segment, but they've, they've gone that extra, you know, in terms of depth and, and done it on a one-to-one basis. And that's really where I think personalization should go and where I think their, their kind of value is, but it, it all starts with that customer profiling and segmentation piece. How much data do I need to make this hyper-personalization? Or do I need just maybe four or five individual data? That's a good question. And I think maybe it's less about the data that you have. Uh, because as soon as, as soon as you have one customer, you've got quite a lot of data. You know, you've got their browsing data, you've got their personal data, you've got their purchase data, demographically what they look like, you know, geographically where they're located. There's, there's so much that you know, but they might not be your ideal customer. They might just have purchased. So there's a reasonable amount of data that you need, but I think it's more about how much time and how much energy and how much budget you have to want to do some of those things. You know, the big stores, they have big budget to be able to deliver these things. The smaller stores, you won't be able to deliver the, the depth of personalization straight off the bat that the big ones will, but there are very quick, easy wins that are cost effective um, that you can start to implement just because of the tech that's out there that will allow you to do it. You know, the barrier to entry to begin a personalization, you know, operation is, it is pretty low. And how to team email strategy with personalization? So are there any good tactics or strategies? I think this is, this is maybe where it starts to get magic, uh, you know, for want of a better term, you know, I think there are things that there's so many data points that you can integrate into your email flows and, and email campaigns that will start to deliver a completely personalized experience. So, you know, using, using product as an example, you know, if somebody hasn't purchased you know, you can, you can start to target them with, with email flows around items that they've browsed or categories that they've browsed. If they have purchased, you know, you can really start to go down the route of complementary products that they might be interested in, education that might help them uh, really deliver the value from the product that they've brought. Or you might want to, you know, even look at replenishables. Are there other things that, you know, somebody's bought that, you can then sell them, you know, a small item that needs to be replenished on a, on a regular basis that will help increase their purchase frequency. And again, deliver value from their initial product. You know, they might buy quite a high value item, um, as an initial product and the likelihood of them coming back and needing to, or wanting to buy that again in, you know, in the future is, is probably quite small, but if there are complementary products that help them utilize it then this is where where brands really start to to drive value 
for their customers. And I think that's fundamentally what customer value optimization is about. You know, it's it, it's less about extracting value from your customer base and more about delivering value to them and allowing your customers to extract the value from your brand because the more valuable you can be to them, the more valuable those customers are to you. You know, it's a it's a it's a symbiotic relationship. You know, gone are the days where you can just spend a ton of money, probably thanks to to iOS 14, spend a ton of money on acquisition. And it, it doesn't really matter because it's pretty cheap. You'll get a ton of customers out of it. And it doesn't matter if they if they come back. You know, now it's expensive to acquire a customer. So you want to acquire the right customers and you want to deliver value for them. And you want them to come back, you know, for, for your brand and purchase, you know, multiple times. I have two questions regarding this uh, that you've mentioned, acquiring and retention and to get better customers on site. So the mm -hmm. first questions would be that, uh, what is the right balance between acquiring and retention? And the second one is, how could you get better customers on site? Maybe these two are connecting. Yeah, I think they're they're probably interlinked. I think the balance will depend very much on on an individual brand, you know, and what what it is they are doing and what their what their product mix looks like, but also what their customer base looks like if they have a large active customer base maybe they want to invest more heavily in the retention side of what they're what they're doing if maybe they have you know quite a quite a small customer base then maybe they want to lean more towards the acquisition side of things so that the their pool of of customers who are open you know to retention tactics grows and, and it's something that's never going to be static You know, you might go through a phase where actually you acquire quite a lot of customers, or in which case, maybe let's switch some budget towards the retention side of things. And as those customers are more engaged and and are ordering and and their retention uh, period is increasing, maybe you want to switch some money back towards the acquisition side of things. So it's very much about monitoring that data, looking at the profiles of you know your customers, looking at how much they're spending, how regularly they're spending, what the churn rate is on them, and then balancing that with how much money you're spending to acquire them in the first place. And, it, you know, I guess there's the second part of that is how do you get better customers? First of all, you look in, you know, you look in your, your customer base at that data and you really start to pull out those customers with a high customer lifetime value. And that's, you know, you might have, several customer lifetime value numbers sitting in there because of the the segmentation that you've put in place it's about taking that data set and handing that to your you know your acquisition team your acquisition agency and saying okay realistically this is the lifetime value of the customer that we want to target if we want to grow sustainably we want to look at uh, you know an acquisition to customer lifetime value ratio of one to three so for every dollar that you're spending on on acquisition they should be worth you know their customer lifetime value should be three dollars so you can start to you know work out how much you can realistically afford to spend on those particular customers in acquiring them in the first place you know and if you're smart and very targeted with that side of things you can afford to spend more than your competitors because their budgets probably spread you know a lot more thinly than yours So if you can be hyper-targeted, hyper you're going to be 
bring better customers on site. If you're bringing better customers on site, you need to make sure that your site's optimized for those people. So you're probably converting more. So you're putting, you know, even more customers into your database, which will help you with your learning for better acquisition. So it really is this kind of infinite loop of feedback that allows you to, to continually, you know, hone in and, and target a better customer, you know, all the time. Yeah, you said uh, some things about customer life time value that if it's high, then you have to keep these customers. And if it's low, you have to get rid of them. What are the other metrics that you have to look at if you want to decide that if they are good customers or not? For example, if uh, there is a low uh, customer lifetime value, but uh, it's related to just one product, you have to get rid of this product or you know that uh, there could be some other products that build on these products. I think the product thing's really interesting because I think for a long time we've not really considered how important it is, you know, a, a customer's first purchase, you know, the product that they first purchase. We've just celebrated the fact that somebody's somebody's crossed the line and has spent money with their with a brand. Whereas I think the the smart brands are digging a little bit deeper into understanding their product mix. And, you know, if somebody buys product X, are they going on to buy product Y? Or if they buy product Y, do they go on to, you know, buy product Z? And it matters. It really does matter. Um, so looking at that product mix and, and understanding and recognizing your kind of hero products that are the ones that open the the door for people to become repeat customers and then also recognizing those products that you know maybe are toxic to your to your brand that if somebody buys this particular product they don't come back it's actually hurting your brand whilst you get you know a short-term win of whatever the value is of that product they're not coming back so you're losing opportunity to sell to them you know again and so that that product mix is really important at looking at how you can deliver lifetime value of a of a customer and i think more so than ever as budgets get squeezed and you know we have global economic conditions that are i mean unpredictable maybe is is an understatement at the moment but um you know all of these factors come into play i think it's just about brands being smarter with the data that they have because they have all the answers they're all sitting within that business because there's a customer base that exists. They have an acquisition funnel that is, it's working, you know, to some degree or not, you know, how, how well that's working, you know, all of these things are in play and it's about being able to mine that data and really leverage it um, rather than the kind of analysis paralysis that can set in when you're confronted with such vast amounts of data, picking a point to jump in and start analyzing can be very, very difficult, you know, but, but working, you know, with people on a strategic level and a data analysis level, I think will just help shine a light on where you're going to get the biggest return on your investment, whether that be financial or, or effort. That's where you need to focus your effort first and, uh, and being able to communicate that with the team around you will provide a direction of where you want, you know, where you want to start rather than just being overwhelmed by the sheer volume of, of data in front of you. 
yeah for dtc brands who wants to grow maybe they need uh, some data mining and analysis maybe it's not their best uh, way to spend time <laughs> so maybe mm-hmm. they are not not in love with data and analytics but uh, how can agencies and businesses effectively communicate the insights gained from data analysis to improve their strategy so in this relation maybe there could be a discussion with, between the agencies and the DTC brand and maybe they could uh, work with full service agencies and some other uh, specialized agencies how could they cooperate better i think a lot of it comes down to communication um you know when you work with a full service agency you have the benefit of hopefully they're communicating internally um you know and they're they're analyzing data and sharing insight you know and really the there's always a a gap between the end result and what you want to achieve you know the data will the data will take you so far but that you're always going to have to make a leap with a a hypothesis as to how you can solve that problem but you know in analyzing that data and and bringing that in you're you're really making that that jump between you know the known and the unknown as small as possible i mean this is why we have ab testing and things like that you know so that we have a bit of a parachute uh for you know if we've if the hypothesis doesn't work out the way we think it you know, it is going to that all is not lost. You know, we can go back uh, and make yeah. that happen. But ultimately, we want to want to bridge that gap and make it as a smaller leap as possible. You know, and working with full service agencies can, you know, definitely help. You know, in that respect, because they can they can see the complete data set. That said, you could probably argue the opposite as well. That working with specialist agencies actually gives you more more in depth opportunity to do something, you know, more specialized. So working with a specialist acquisition agency and a specialist design and dev agency and a specialist marketing agency, all of those specialists are going to give you the depth of knowledge that you need in each of those things. But you're probably missing or lacking somebody tying all of that together, which is where somebody like me would come in to work with each of those, you know, agencies and each of those partners to kind of tie all of that together. Or if you've got a you know a great e-com manager or somebody sitting in your business, that's really the sort of thing that they should be doing, overseeing the strategy and making sure that everybody's on the same page so that you know messaging from acquisition carries all the way through, you know, through the site for conversion and into the retention strategy and that they're sharing data because they they all need the data that the other one has because you know you they're just you know, the next, the next rung on the ladder, the next step, you know, they each need to know what the other one's doing. I, I could argue for and against all day, you know, a full service agency versus specialists. And I think it really just comes down to preference. Yeah. You want to be the advocate of the DTC brand owner and make agencies life harder. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think there are so, there are so many agencies out there, you know, specialist agencies doing a great job um you know i'm working really hard for their their merchants and through no fault of their own they're missing opportunities for that merchant and be the voice of the merchant and be the voice of the business somebody who's behind some of the metrics as well you know unit economics is a big one for a long time lots of merchants uh thought that cash in the bank meant profit and i think we've had supply chain issues from 2020 
you know, now through to uh, a squeeze on people's personal finances and and interest rates going up, all of these factors are just creating a, a bit of a storm for merchants that make it very, very difficult to keep a handle on some of their most basic business data, let alone on-site data. So it's um it's something that somebody needs to own somewhere for sure. Yeah. And uh, I've heard on LinkedIn also that uh, the best advice that a DC, DTC brand owner could get is from a finance, financial site, so from a CFO or maybe a supply chain manager that you've already sent. I, I really want to invite somebody who is really into inventory and, and CFO. <laughs> hey, look, I, I, it, these people don't run businesses as a charity, right? Um, yep. You know, I think fundamentally they need to understand their business metrics before they understand their on-site metrics you know making sure that they can bring a product to market profitably is really the seed of that everything else is you know is supplementary to to that side of things and if they don't understand the numbers that are are driving that from a business perspective then you know i think it's going to be very easy for those businesses to fail so I, I mean, I I would want to hear one too. I'd want to hear uh, your podcast, Miklas, with a with a CFO on board. Yeah, I, I will definitely look uh, somebody. Or if you are listening and you are a CFO, just apply. <laughs> Last but not least, question: so How can businesses navigate the challenges of increasing? So it could be also financial inventory stuff, but also uh, from the marketing level. Maybe if you are a growing DTC brand, you have to. Return for the basis when you started, when you were more with the community, more focused on the customer. How could you approach this question? For me, this it all comes down to value. Not how much value can you extract from your customer base. How much value can you give to your customer base? If you change your mentality as a, as a business, as a brand, away from viewing customers as a transaction, and shift your thinking towards viewing them as people. You know, you, you said the word community there, and I think that's enormous for brands. If you want to grow as a business, growth is not going to happen purely by picking up a new customer, them transacting once, and then disappearing. It's really about how can you make sure that you are adding value even before they're a customer. So you can start to build a brand. People buy brands for their perceived value. You know, people will buy a a MacBook over a PC because of the perceived value of it. They buy a pair of Nike trainers over another brand because of the perceived value. And they've bought into that community that they've built and they feel part of that brand. And I think that's due to the customer centricity of what they do everybody's purchasing because they have a push or a pull in their life that they you know they either want to get away from they have a problem a pain point that they want to move away from or they have uh, a destination that they're trying to reach and so they need a product to facilitate that and that's what people are buying being able to communicate that and deliver that value to your customers is really where all of the value lies for all businesses, regardless of whether, you know, you're a D2C business or a service business or businesses full stop, 
will all benefit from trying to deliver as much value for their customers as they can, rather than extracting it from their customer base. Last but not least, I want to give some seeds and nutrition for DTC brands to grow. So mm -hmm. there would be four quick questions and I want some quick answers from you uh, for these quick questions. The first one is, what books or influencers would you recommend to read or follow for a DTC brand? Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. You're more than welcome to come and follow me, um, <laughs> you know, and, and interact. There are some really interesting people out in LinkedIn as a, a, you know, as a whole. And I think you've just got to find somebody that you resonate with. But I've read some really interesting books. Um, I've got one sitting on my desk at the moment. Uh, it's called Never Split the Difference. It's by Chris Voss. It's, uh, it's about negotiation. You can apply this to any any kind of area in your life that um, you know you want to have a conversation with somebody about. And he's a, I think he's an ex hostage negotiator, so he's got some you know interesting stories in there. But really, from a you know from a, a customer value optimization perspective, uh, there's a guy on LinkedIn called Valentin Radu who uh, is well worth a follow. I mean, you can obviously follow Miklos on on LinkedIn. He's uh, <laughs> he's always giving value. Thank you. Uh, the second one is: What is the biggest mistake that DTC brands could make? The single biggest one. I think personalization is the single biggest mistake because you can apply that to to so many things. You know, if you get your personalization right, you can get your targeting right. You can get your conversion, you know, an on-site experience right and you can get your retention right so that's that for me is the single biggest thing you know and it's it's the single biggest turn off as well i think for for consumers and you know as as consumers ourselves and customers ourselves you know if, if i don't get a personalized experience and i have to do all the work it it kind of puts me off that for me i think would would be the single single thing that they could do the single biggest mistake that if you leave personalization out yeah yeah absolutely yeah And could you tell me your quick growth tip related to DTC brands? The quick growth tip that maybe they could apply tomorrow? Oh, that's a very good question. I think invest in your community. Invest in mm -hmm. in the customers that you you already have. By no means am I saying turn off your acquisition <laughs> strategy or your budget. <laughs> But if there's one thing that you're going to do tomorrow, go and have a look in that customer database and see if there's value you can add. And the last question is, what tools would you use as a DTC brand who wants to grow? What tools, applications, softwares? I mean, I'd probably have to continue down that, the route of personalization. There's some great tools out there that will allow you to do that, you know, relatively quickly, relatively easily, and probably relatively cheaply. Optimunk give a great, uh, you know, product that will allow you to, to personalize on-site experience. Same with OmniConvert. There's things like Rebuy that you'd be able to install on your on your Shopify store. Yotpo is probably no, not Yotpo. You can cut that bit, Miklos. Nosto <laughs> is probably uh, you know another another brand who are doing personalization really well. Yeah, Yotpo is good for loyalty and other stuff. Yeah, not not personalization, but maybe email and SMS for. Oh, I mean it, parts of it. it Email and SMS is an easy one. I think you have to go a long way to beat Clavio on those fronts. 
both email and SMS. Um, you know, and I think they're they're so dominant now in in the market. Attentive are doing some really nice stuff with with SMS, and they can help you get over some some hurdles that maybe you know you might encounter elsewhere. So there's some really good stuff there. And on the loyalty front, I mean, you have to go a long way, I think, to beat Loyalty Line. They have been doing it for so long and they integrate with so many different things and so many platforms and provide so many different solutions that you'd have to go a long way to beat them. There are other, you know, there are other people in the market. You've got people like uh, Stamped.io and whatever who are doing things on the, the loyalty and rewards front, which are at a slightly lower price point. There are some big players out there who are doing what they do really well and you have to go a long way to beat them. Thanks, Jason, for accepting my call and giving real value to my listeners. Well, look, thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. And don't forget to try these tips today. For more seeds and nutrition, stay tuned for the next episode.